The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Of uh, that Reuters report, which suggests that uh, Israel and Hamas have actually moved closer to an agreement on a 30 day ceasefire. I'm not sure what its provenance is. Reuters normally fairly reliable. What do you make of it? Well, there are a number of reports coming from different centres. I think the Reuters one is probably the biggest mainstream one. As you say, Reuters is a worldwide agency. It's usually pretty accurate. Most people assume that as far as Western uh, agencies are concerned, uh, AP and Reuters are the ones that you normally look to, and also the French one as well, AFP. So yes, I think it's probably accurate in terms of things happening. How far they've gone is a very different matter. Uh, Whether the Israelis will wear uh, what is being proposed is very difficult to say. But it's clear that behind the scenes, there's probably a great deal of pressure going on them from Washington that is getting more and more concerned at the sheer loss of life the Israelis are leading up to in Gaza. So I think there's a chance that this might work. But don't hold your hat. Uh, We've been here so many times before, but at least it looks slightly more positive. Now, the pressure on uh, Joe Biden, he was heckled by protesters at a campaign event in Virginia. Many, many interruptions, and he had to pause or try to speak over uh, shouts, people calling out ceasefire now, and even labelling him Genocide Joe. So he feels the domestic pressure. He certainly does. And, I mean, it's not just there. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of sort of media disinterest in what is happening in Britain, as far as the mainstream media is going. But behind the scenes, there's a lot of uh, anger and distrust. And it is not just uh, among the the Muslim minority. And it's particularly, I think, being received by the Labour Party, which so far has been very, very close to the government in its views. Uh, So, yes, I think it's certainly in the United States where it's becoming more and more significant. Uh, But this is repeated in quite a few other countries uh, including Britain, which is probably the only ally of the United States that has any say in this at the present time. Yeah. And even that is very not very much, but at least it's something. So yes, Biden is under pretty heavy pressure at home, which is very difficult because basically Trump can always wash his hands of it as the election campaign gets going. Biden would like some sort of settlement. But this comes down, obviously, to what the Israelis are prepared to accept. And they have such bitter divisions within their government that it's almost impossible to predict. So that's, that's where we are, the reality, I'm afraid. Now, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu posted on X uh, pictures of a, a visit he made to an IDF base, uh, and he told cadets, my main expectation is nothing less than total victory. There is no substitute for victory. Um, so he would appear to be not for turning, and we know he has a, a huge self-interest here. If there's a 30-day pause, it could be 30 days where his enemies uh, within uh, would try to get rid of him. I think that's right. One has to factor this in. I mean, there are many different factors within Israeli society. Yes, there was huge horror and a real sort of undermining of self-confidence in Israel on 7th of October. One should never forget that. But we're dealing now with, what is it, 25,000 Palestinians killed already uh, and sort of a 1,000 or more dying every week. That's the the sum total of what those terrible Israeli losses were back on the 7th of October. So while within Israel there is still a fair bit of support for the government, its abject failure to get the hostages out suggests to many people that, in fact, Hamas is nowhere near being defeated. And most military analysts who are sort of going to stand back from this just don't think it's possible to defeat an organization like Hamas in that sense. 
because it's much more of an idea and the idea will remain. But as you say, I mean, I agree entirely with you, Pat. The point about this is that this is where Netanyahu comes up to the crunch and he may well not survive this. Who takes over? Who can say? But I think that's one of the things that is making him absolutely determined to stay on. But in the final analysis, you can't defeat something like Hamas. And the Israeli doctrine of almost sort of um, uh, damaging and punishing a large population, which is what is happening, uh, simply won't work on this case. But one has to remember there's a huge amount of popular, popular opinion across the Middle East which is absolutely pro-Palestinian in a way that many of the Middle East leaders themselves are rather worried about because their own people are getting very cross about what's going on. Now, the military campaign, we were told that uh, Khan Yunus, uh, first of all, Gaza City, we were told, was the the real headquarters, the nerve centre of Hamas activity. Then it moved uh, to Khan Yunus and it's encircled. Um, What's the significance of what the Israelis are saying there? I think they're looking in some ways for straws. It may well be that Hamas is suffering casualties, but a report from the CIA, which seems to be to fit in with what one is getting elsewhere, is that Hamas has not been crippled or anything like it. It's suffered big losses for sure. But you've got to remember two things. One, we're just mentioning the hostages are still there and Hamas is still holding on to them. I think only maybe two or three hostages have been released as a result directly of the Israeli action. And, of course, three of the earlier ones, they were actually killed by friendly fire. But the second thing is that we were under the impression, at least the IDF was saying, that the northern part of Gaza was solidly in IDF hands. And it clearly isn't, because there's still uh, skirmishes and more almost on a daily basis. So Hamas still seems to have a long way to go. Is it possible, though, that uh, Hamas personnel can simply evaporate and mingle and merge with the ordinary male population in Gaza, um, that there would certainly be no appetite now for people to expose them and reveal them as Hamas after what the Israelis have done? No, I don't think they would. I'd agree with you. I mean, support for Hamas within Gaza may not be running very high now, but it is going up by leaps and bounds in the West Bank. And we tend to forget all the problems that the Israelis uh, are facing there and the extent of the power that the uh, IDF is using within the West Bank. You know, plenty of Palestinians, I'm afraid, being killed and wounded there. Uh, And that's just one factor in this. So overall, um, you have a very difficult position for the Palestinians. But basically, the tactics that Netanyahu is going with cannot and will not work in the long term. They may appear to have a short-term advantage. But as you say, if need be, Hamas just merges back in with the population from whence it, from whence it comes. Yeah, uh, I and, mean, what and, are you going to do? <laughs> and can re-emerge in time. Now, the UN but, Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, uh, said yesterday um, that the clear and repeated rejection of the two-state solution at the highest levels of the Israeli government is unacceptable. And he went on to talk about the threats of hepatitis uh, A, dysentery, cholera, uh, and the humanitarian catastrophe that is in, in Gaza. Um, the Israelis at the uh, UN, though, um, obviously still very forthright in what they want to do, saying the world was trying to treat, it was like trying to treat cancer with an aspirin and said that Hamas would remain in power. If they did, they would regroup, rearm, and Israel would soon face another attempted Holocaust. There is the risk of that, but of course the problem is that the only way around that is to address the underlying reasons why you have the problem in the first place. Uh, and that, I think, is extremely difficult for 
the current right-wing type of government you have in Israel to even contemplate. But the reality is that if you were to get a longer ceasefire, there is certainly a pretty big chance that you would get some sort of negotiations going for the long term. Uh, it has happened before. It happened at the time of Oslo. That disappeared eventually. But you do have the underlying issue that Israel as a state has tended to move to a rather more hardline position over the last 20 years. And that's reflected even more so in the current government, particularly because it depends survival on two parties, one of which is really ultra-nationalist, and the other is almost religious fundamentalist. And these parties, although they do not have many seats, they do not have huge national support, they actually hold the levers of power for Netanyahu. And this means it is very difficult for the uh, Likud party, which is the nominal party in charge, uh, to actually go for anything but a single-state solution. After all, you know, if you look at the the um, the group's actual website, if you look at its basically grounding charter, it says specifically, point one, that sovereignty for Israel must be from the river, the Jordan, through to the sea, the Mediterranean. And it makes it absolutely clear there is one sovereign state. Well, that is completely antithetical antithetical to any kind of two-state solution. So it's written into the basic politics. So it's a big change. But on the other hand, I think there's a slight move changing in Israel. There's a small but rather more vociferous peace movement. There's a very strong movement supporting the hostages. There is a slight change in mood within Israel, but it would have to go a very long way to see the kind of change that would allow any kind of negotiations to take place. But that, of course, is what we're going to have to move to. And the one possibility always is once you get a ceasefire starting for, say, a month or so, then that can lead to a lot more progress in the longer term. Uh, but that will depend very much, one always has to remember, the one state that essentially can decide on this is the United States, because Israel is massively dependent on U.S. aid to even carry on with this war, when pe- people do rather tend to forget that. Now, two other actors in this whole drama, one a potential actor, I suppose, and that is China, the US, uh, urging China to intervene in some way uh, with uh, Tehran to try and stop the support for the Houthis, who are uh, attacking shipping in the Red Sea and uh, world trade, of course, uh, being impacted by that. Uh, huge costs, both for maybe Chinese exporters and uh, those who are buying those products at the other end of the supply chain. Um, and uh, the Iran itself, um, perhaps deflecting from domestic difficulties at home by, uh, you know, advancing this wider conflict by proxy. Uh, what do you say to those two actors? Uh, can they be effective in this? China certainly can be. And as you say, it does have its own economic interest in trying to make sure that there are not these huge disturbances to the normal passage of goods through the Suez Canal. So, yes, it is certainly in a position where, on balance, it would prefer to see some sort of peaceful settlement, uh, but with it having a stake in it. As far as Iran is concerned, Yes, certainly there are many internal problems, uh, a lot of internal dissension. It is always good to have an external war or conflict or crisis to take people's attention away. But the reality also is that Iran is a major state, uh, whatever we think of its policies, particularly on the religious side, and you're going to have to deal with it. It's a state of about 80 million people. Um, The economy is not in good shape at all. It still suffers from the sanctions. It would be amenable to some sort of negotiated process. Uh, But at the same time, there is always the risk that if there was any kind of 
deal beginning to come through with Iran, and Iran was still able to expand on its nuclear side, at some stage the risk is that Israel would act directly against Iranian nuclear facilities. It's not on the cards at present, but it's something to remember, and one extra reason why I had to have, you know, pretty skilled diplomacy to try and at least see an easier way out of this. That's not immediately visible, I'm afraid. Paul Rogers, Emeritus Professor of Peace Studies at Bradford University. Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.